As we are looking forward to what's coming in 2020 as a church family, I also desire that we would look behind us to 2019 and remember the ways that God has established our steps and our direction. And so all that we, uh, much of what we have experienced, the good that we have experienced in 2019, it flows directly from our vision statement. And you can see our vision statement on the banner here and then up on the screen behind me. As a church, we exist, and I'll put in parentheses here, to play our part. We exist to play our part in saturating the Inland Northwest and the nations, so here in our locale and beyond, with the good news of Jesus Christ. This vision statement, what it does is it functions like a rudder for us. A rudder is a very small piece under the water of a small ship, or of, a, of large and small ships and boats that direct their course. And this vision statement, it directs our course. It's derived from two realities in Scripture. One is from a minor prophet named Habakkuk in the Old Testament, and another is from the words of Jesus himself in Matthew, chapter 28, the Gospel of Matthew. Habakkuk, in chapter 2, verse 14, Uh, Great destruction was coming on Israel. Habakkuk was looking out beyond hoping and waiting for a Messiah who would deliver God's people. And he was alluding to the prophet Isaiah who said something almost verbatim in Isaiah chapter 11. And this is what he said. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is where we get the word saturate in our vision statement. Like waters cover the sea, the earth will be filled, saturated with the knowledge of the glory of God. This theme of saturation, it's repeated verbatim several places in the Old Testament, but it's also implied more indirectly uh, throughout the, the entirety of Scripture. And what it is, is it's a future tense declaration of what God promises to accomplish in the world through His Son through the good news, particularly, of his son. And then our, our vision statement is also derived from Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, which is the Great Commission. Maybe you're familiar with it. If you are familiar with it, put on new ears this morning to hear it fresh. Jesus says, all authority in heaven, so all things above and on earth, has been given to me, granted to him by the Father. So he'd say, go, therefore, as you go, as you live, Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and into the name of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And then he gives us this promise. Behold, look and see, wait, I need your attention. I'm with you always. The real Jesus is risen and present with his people forevermore. I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so the way that we play our part in saturating the inland Northwest as a church and saturating the nations with the gospel is to attend first to being saturated with the gospel ourselves. That is our first move. We're not going to saturate anything with the good news of Jesus, if we are not also living and breathing and being saturated in that reality and how it relates and how he comes and meets us where we are, we follow him, we follow his way of life as well. And so each year as your pastor, uh, I have chosen a theme um, for us as a church to pursue. 
<clears throat> and I'll talk a little bit more about where we were in 2019. But the, the way that I seek to do that and to choose a theme of what I'm sensing that we need as a church family, I spend a good deal of time in prayer months beforehand. I am uh, I, I'm meditating and contemplating God's word and our culture. I'm contemplating what's happening and what I'm experiencing and hearing from many of you. And then I'm also having conversations with many of you over the course of months. And all of that kind of art more than science uh, just leads my heart, my soul, my head in a direction of, I sense that this is what the Lord has for us in the coming year. One thing that I'm really excited about this year is that there, are, that there's a team of people that have chosen and affirmed a direction for us in 2020. And so the theme that we have chosen is spiritual formation. Uh, following the way of Jesus by developing the habits and the things, the way of life that he practiced himself, spiritual formation. So for the remainder of January and even into February, we're going to be uh, starting first with prayer and fasting as a church together, teaching on it, and then practicing and employing it as individuals and as a church community as well. We're going to be positioning ourselves before the real Jesus as his dependents, those who are dependent on him, seeking his face before we, we seek things handouts from his hands. And then in the coming year, we'll tackle Sabbath uh, and what it means for us to create margin in our lives and rest so that we can be a people who are generous and available and present with those around us. We'll also study the discipline of living in fellowship uh, with one another that's saturated with the gospel. Another word uh, that you may have heard for fellowship is community, living in communities that are saturated with honesty around and because of the gospel. We'll learn to study and understand our Bibles as we focus on meditating on, uh, learning to interpret, memorizing God's words of life to us as his people. And then we'll learn also about disciplines of service, disciplines of silence, disciplines of solitude, of celebration, of confession, disciplines of secrecy, of slowing, and more. These are ancient traditions from the time of Jesus Christ and the apostles flowing to us from church history. And as evangelicals in contemporary America, many of us have jettisoned a lot of these spiritual disciplines, and we aim as a church family to begin to practice the way and the life style of Jesus himself, not just in the moments when we're in uh, the hot seat and needing to have a word or give or contribute, but in the ordinary moments of our life when nobody else is looking, we're practicing the ways of Jesus in the whole of our life, in all of our individual lives. So in 2019, our theme was to become a praying church, not just a church who prays. That's not, that's not semantics at all. To be a praying church means that we are becoming a church who sees prayer as undergirding every single aspect of our ministry. A church who prays is a church who kind of sprinkles prayer on the other important things that we do, but a praying church believes that prayer actually undergirds our spiritual life. It's our means of connection, hearing from God through his word, speaking our needs and our life to him in uh, our ordinary lives, in our in our in, in our thinking, in our being. So um, I can sense that the spiritual temperature of our church is rising. And I need to apologize to you as well as your pastor in the previous years of planting this church. I was a pastor who prayed. I was largely atheistic in my lifestyle. 
uh, a prayerless Christian is a practicing atheist. And I recognize the more that I look back on the origins of our church, prayer has not been a vital and foundational part of who we are. And God began to, the Holy Spirit began to convict me of this in 2017, 2018. I began to give myself personally to reforming how I spend my time and my energy. And then in 2019, since that it was the right time to uh, engage all of you together and to move on that path. So I can sense, and, and I'm grateful, I can sense the spiritual temperature of our church rising, but it's like we're just getting started. It's like we're just getting started being comfortable with one another praying together. We've devoted significant time in our community groups to prayer. We're praying often on, in a Sunday morning context like this. We're spending a lot of that time praying. You'll hear us pray six, seven, eight times over the course of a Sunday gathering. Uh, we're prioritizing prayer at the end of our gatherings as well. We settle into prayer together as a community before our gatherings on Sundays. I've been leading groups and leading among us to, uh, to, to think and to rethink how we're praying and to depend upon the Lord more and more in prayer. We spent nine weeks over this, over this summer learning to pray uh, from the Psalms and to use the scriptures as a springboard for us uh, to pray. And so I believe that the Lord Jesus is affirming our efforts to seek him, to love him, and to know him. I hope that you would affirm much of that as well, while still recognizing and leaving a lot of space that we've got a lot, of, we've got a long way to go as a church together in our pursuit of Jesus. And I sense that we are in a season of prosperity uh, as a church family together. And so our response, and as we're recognizing that we're in a season of prosperity as a church together, is to celebrate it actively and give thanks to the Lord. Actually, our act of worship as we celebrate is to give thanks to the Lord because He is the one who is doing this among us. And, and I recognize as well, and you do too, that we won't always be in seasons of prosperity as a church together in the same way that we're not always in seasons of prosperity as in individuals and as families. Suffering and opposition, it does come. And yet, even there, even in prosperity, our focus will remain the same, and it's to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. We just studied through Galatians. It's to rest and to rejoice in the finished work of Jesus Christ, received, given to us by grace, and received by us through faith in Him. The saints will persevere because the Savior perseveres. And so we rest, and we look to him, and we rejoice in his finished work. Now, I want to, as a church family, celebrate some of the ways uh, that we have seen the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit establishing our steps together in 2019. So I'm going to need a little bit of feedback from you. We have introverts and extroverts and some in the middle together with us, and I'm going to say things in just a moment, just looking back and, and, and are trying to articulate uh, things that we've experienced together as a church family in 2019, and some of you are going to want to like respond audibly or make some noise or do something, and then you're going to look around and you're going to think to yourself all in a split second, is this appropriate? I, and you're going to want to shut down. So for those of you who are extroverts and can just let it go, I want you to let it go, and I want you to lead us who are introverts in helping to just get us out of our comfort zone a little bit. So in the moments, not, not for everything, you're probably not going to want to cheer for everything, though some of it will be funny and some of it will be awesome. Uh, cheer. 
express it, let it out, and, and notice that as we do so, we're not patting ourselves on the back. Our praise is directed to our God who supplies all of our needs. Okay? So that's what it is as we celebrate. It's worship. Our hooting and hollering and clapping and whatever else you're going to do is an act of worship. Be free. If you want to be charismatic this morning, now is your opportunity. We have baptized seven people in 2019 who declare that Jesus is Lord. Thank you. In our previous three years as a church together, we've baptized six total. We're grateful for them. This year, we've baptized seven. It's wonderful. We have financially supported four church plants generously, directly from our relationships and from our bank account. We have been supporting a church plant in, called Redeemer Align in the United Arab Emirates uh, over the last two and a half years. We've been supporting them. We've been supporting a man named Tanner Sheehan in, uh, in La Grande, Oregon, part of the Inland Northwest technically. Uh, it's called Christ Church down there. We have been supporting uh, Zach Adams at Revelation Church in Coeur d'Alene and another church that we have already supported and will be supporting even more generously in 2020 is Doxa Church with Joel and Esty Paris in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho as well. We fear no competition because there is no competition among God's people. We, yes, praise God. We want to see healthy, faithful, gospel-proclaiming churches saturate Post Falls, Hayden, Coeur d'Alene, Liberty Lake, Spokane Valley, Spokane, La Grande, to the ends of the earth. We as well have financially supported the work of four missionaries and their families, Aaron and Sarah Kramer, who are our own here this morning as they work for Mission Aviation, Missionary Aviation Fellowship, and they're planted out of the Moody campus in Spokane. Aaron's been working to disciple uh, people who are called to the mission field and to equip them for what they are about to face. We are supporting their family. You are supporting their family directly. Can I get an amen? Amen. <clears throat> Scott and Joy Humphreys, they've been serving uh, orphans and lepers and uh, the very, very marginalized in India. They also live here in Coeur d'Alene, and he has been functioning as their executive director. We have been supporting Jason and Cameron Shadrick in Indonesia as they have been making disciples there and, and, and spending their lives to the glory of God. Uh, they will be with us sometime in March to share personally about what God has been doing there among them. And then also Jordan and Kristen Andre, who are in Nairobi, Kenya, serving Kenyans there. It's wonderful. You guys are an incredibly generous church. I don't know the final numbers of what we have given away this year, but it's been uh, substantial. We have three elders in training who are a part of All of Life Church who have raised their hands and said, I desire to spiritually shepherd this church family. We, I, I have been the sole elder among us. We've had some provisional elders that have helped plant our church, but we have people from the inside being developed who have raised their hand and said, put me in, coach, develop me. I, I sense that this is what God is calling me to. That's Ken Joy, Jeremy Stevens, and J.J. Turbin. We've been meeting together weekly since you wanted to clap. You just got to commit, you know. Like, <clears throat> Thankful for you guys. Thankful for you guys. And Bonnie by proxy. She's by proxy repping Jeremy. Uh, he's sick with the flu. So um, 
we've been meeting weekly since August. I've been meeting with them in various cohorts and, and by various means for much, much longer than that, and they have the character and the integrity to lead and serve you well. We've got five communities. We call them missional communities gathering, uh, who a part of these missional communities, and we need so many more because we need, and we need leaders to be able to raise a hand and say, put me in, coach. We've got five of these communities meeting with 102 people in them. 58 of those are adults and 44 of those are kids. We are like... Yeah, we're like playing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's intense up in some of our houses. 67 individuals have used their time, have used their strength, have used their skills in the last quarter of 2019 alone to serve you, to set this room, to be here, to brew your coffee, of which something else to celebrate. We've served around 3,000 cups of coffee in 2019 <laughs> because... Uh, coffee is proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy, right? We opened up our fourth kids' classroom in 2019. Yeah. Through the leadership of my wife, Meredith, and through her team and you teachers who have been spending and giving yourselves and fully staffed it. Now, to some numbers, just the number of people that are gathering with us on a weekly basis in our church family. We have averaged over the entirety of 2019, our year average is 153 people on Sundays. That's a lot. Yes, that's wonderful. So to give you perspective, our average was 95 in 2018. So that's about 60% growth. And in 2018, over 2017, we grew at 59% numerically as well. And the year before that, it was like 53%. So we're seeing this ready incline of, of growth. And we desire to make space for those whom the Lord have been gathering with us, bringing to us. <clears throat> there is one huge cause for celebration that I have not yet mentioned. And he has a name. His name is Trevor Zychek. Yeah. <clears throat> and his wife's name is Whitney Zychek. Gotta, that's right. We love them. We love you. It's my pleasure to announce that Trevor Zychek is fully funded for, he's fully funded. He has raised his salary. It's there, 100% funded. Now, some of you don't know what I'm talking about. In 2018, we brought Trevor on staff, and he had the appetite, and Trevor had the guts to raise his hand and to say, I want to spend my life in service of God's kingdom. As a church family, we did not have the funds to cover him. So we floated this harebrained idea. Hey, why don't you try to raise your salary in order to work for us uh, full time and, and serve and strengthen our church community? And he had the appetite and the guts to do so. And so he has been spending about 30 hours a week hitting y'all up for cash. And it's a, a wonderful joy to be able to say, like, that is over for Trevor. We love you. Uh, as a church family, we have been having some conversations where we, as a, a general church family, will be coming underneath him and supporting him more and more on a yearly basis. And so all of life general is now contributing far more than we have to his salary. And we have bumped him over that um, That that. 100% threshold. And so what that means is that he's going to be giving all of his time, all of his work time, 40 hours, to uh, serving and strengthening our church family and continuing to develop the youth ministry 
that he is developing with you, his team. Many of you are working hard alongside him, making space for our students, and I thank you for that. So, yeah. <clears throat> so we recognize that we are, we're paddling in a river of God's grace underneath us. Uh, may we keep our focus on him in 2020. Uh, we have a, another announcement to bring to you that is a good announcement. Um, I touched on the growth that we are experiencing over the course of the last few years. So we as a leadership team have been laboring over what to do about it. And we have spent months praying. We've spent months conversing. We've, uh, we, we have been really seeking, like, what is it, Lord, that you are leading us to? How have you resourced us? Because we want to create space for those who are coming and finding, the re finding refuge and, and realizing the good news of Jesus among us. We've had a real estate agent helping us over the course of the last year look for commercial property, and nothing has panned out. Uh, not only is the inventory in the market low, but we also understand that we don't have the resources financially right now to be able to, to commit to the kind of square footage that we would need, that we feel that we would need um, for a good long-term plan. And so the SDA folks, the Seventh-day Adventists who own this building, uh, they have been generous to us uh, by opening this building to us, leasing it to us, and they've renewed their our, our lease here in 2020 as well. And so we are grateful for how they continue to open the building and really their, their hearts to us. <clears throat> so our plan in 2020 is to hunker down here in this building and to continue to gather on Sundays. And it's going to uh, be a touch different. So some of you are bracing yourselves. I don't think you need to brace yourselves. Here's the direction that we are going. On February 16th of this year, we are going to move to two services as a church family together. We're going to move from 10 a.m. to probably 9 a.m. and 11 or 10.45 a.m. And we are going to hunker down here as one community and open up space for those who continue to come in this morning. This brings up a host of questions. It brings up objections. It brings up feelings and fear around change. And so what I want to try to do with the rest of our time together this morning is preemptively answer some of what you may be feeling. And we have also created an FAQ on our website that goes into far more detail and will address many of the more nuanced questions as well as something that has a, it's got a contact form and a means for you to get in touch and to begin to, um, to voice what you are thinking. Why are we doing this? Here is uh, our ground zero as a church family. We desire to honor Jesus Christ by continuing to open our hearts to him and to say yes to what he's doing among us and who he is bringing to us. Therefore, we aim to say yes to whoever you are inviting and bringing with you to gather with us, as well as those who hear about us through other means. And there are generally four ways that a church family can respond uh, when faced with facility constraints uh, like we have. We can stop inviting people to come. This will never be our response, never. Put that in the trash can. We can plant a new church and we can send a group of you out uh, and our aim is to do that. We aim to be a church planting church, and the way that we are uh, 
partnering in church planting right now as we're a church just coming online is that uh, we are generously giving to churches that we have direct relationship with around us. And that's how we are participating in church planting right now. Personally and as a church family, we do not yet have someone who has raised their hand and who is sensing and communicating a calling and, uh, and the competencies of a church planter. And so we're waiting for God to raise you up and to continue to develop whoever you are sitting in your seat. We're waiting for him to bring people to us to be trained from the outside as well. So we hope to soon be able to send and, and, and birth a new church from among us. We're not quite there yet. Another way that we could respond to a facility challenge like this is to move into a larger space, right? But as I said, we don't have the opportunities and we don't have the resources at this time. And so we have decided that it is in our best interest and in the interest of the mission that God has given us to add an additional service in our current space right here. Now, there are some benefits of going to two gatherings and they're going to be up on the screen. I'm going to walk you through these quickly. Uh, I'm going to name four of them. We want people to engage during our church gatherings, not simply attend a church gathering or consume a church gathering. Even in a church family like ours, with 150 to 200 people on any given weekend, uh, it can be difficult to engage one another in meaningful ways, right? Our larger gatherings that we've had here, this is a fair amount of people in here. You know, there, there are some empty chairs in the room, but there's not a ton of them. Um, they leave people shuffling in and out. And when the room is congested, so this is just practicalities. When the room is congested, it can often be hard to make meaningful uh, connections, especially with first and second time guests, seeing them, identifying them, making space to be able to engage and to have conversations. And so what two services or two gatherings will do is create more opportunity for relational, relational connection and personal conversation. Now, some of us, we, we believe that we know everyone in the room. But the reality is, is that I know I'm the most connected person in this church, and I don't know all of you. We don't know everyone in our church, but our goal as a church family is that everyone would be known. And there's a distinction. It's not just semantics. And so in the coming year, we have to strengthen our communities. We have to strengthen our means of discipleship, and we have to strengthen our, our points and opportunities for connection. Another benefit of going to two gatherings is that we want our All of Life Kids team to disciple kids, not just manage classes. Part of their motto is to plant the gospel and to have a blast. They want to plant the good news of Jesus deep into the hearts of these children, and they get about 50 touches a year in order to do so in a Sunday context as these children's teachers and friends, right? Our growth has brought us to a barrier in how we are handling our children's ministry. As numbers rise, our volunteers are tasked more and more with crowd control than one-on-one -on -one conversation and relational connection, right? So we want our children, we want our volunteers and our teachers to have an amazing uh, Sunday experience with us, and that means having enough space for them to engage each child. And additionally, we are, choose, we are closing two of our four classrooms on a regular basis. Are any of the classrooms closed this morning? They're all open this morning. On a, on a fairly regular basis, we are telling you as you're coming in, sorry, our classes are full. We don't have room. And so you are bringing your kids in. And that's not that big of a deal, but on a constant basis, it becomes more and more of a big deal. So what 
what two gatherings is going to do is help us reduce the overall size of our classrooms so that every child who wishes to be included can. And this is also going to reduce the burden of parents who are new to our church and are deciding if all of life is a good fit for them. So it can be hard. You know this if you have children. It can be hard to be present in a gathering like this when you've got little people shuffling under your feet. A third reason, that benef- uh, a third benefit of going to two services is this. We want to reach more people in our community. It's clear that God is bringing people to us to be discipled, and so we will not, I will not let my personal comforts determine who we receive into the life of our church and who we don't. As a general rule, every single church that adds options like additional worship gatherings, we'll see an increase in attendance. And the reason for that is that that indirectly we are communicating to our community that we have room for them and space for them. And we are regularly bumping up against our capacity in our kids' classrooms, in our capacity in here, and in our capacity in the parking lot as well. And so uh, socially in, uh, in Idaho and in the Northwest, people love their space. And so it's not a bad thing. If you We've got a chair or two between you and the person sitting next to you. The general, we could ask everybody to pack in, but the problem is still going to be, the challenge rather, is still going to be faced by us in February or in March or in April. It's, it's impending. It's coming. If we continue with our, what, the growth that we are averaging, we'll be gathering this time next year somewhere around 225, 240 people on a Sunday. Our goal is not to become mega. Some of us have moralized uh, church size. And so a church size is the best possible way. A, a small church is the best possible way to go. Or larger, medium-sized churches are, the, are, are, are God's original design for the church. We're not moralizing church size. But my goal has never been to be a massive church and to build buildings and to do all of that. My goal from day one has been to plant churches. We're four years into that. We're generously supporting churches. We are growing up. We're kind of toddler stage right now. My hope is that church planters and residencies would come up among us and we would be a church who sends our best and our brightest on a continual basis. And 20 years in, All of Life Church would have spiritual great, great, great-great-great-grandchildren churches all throughout the Northwest and all throughout the world. That's our vision as a church family. One of the best ways that we can steward our facility resources is by adding uh, worship gatherings. Here's the fourth reason that we we think that this is a, a good idea. We want you, the person in your seat, to own the ministry and the mission of all of life. We've got amazing volunteers here. You guys give, many of you in multiple capacities. Many of you have opted in. You've you've opted in to serve. You've made meaningful friendships and you've made relational connections by serving. And we know uh, then as a general rule, just like Trevor told us this morning, that newcomers come into our church, to our church building. They do something as, uh, as unspiritual I use that in parentheses on purpose as stacking chairs and they find themselves wrapped up in a loving community growing in the gospel and God's call to vocational ministry comes a year later. These kinds of things happen as we we serve one another in a Sunday context. And so we know that newcomers will begin to own the mission and the ministry of our church as well by giving options to serve. So the second gathering is going to provide opportunities for others to join team, build relationship, and make these many meaningful connections, right? So if you're feeling disconnected here, let me just say this. Even on a weekend, as simple as a Sunday is, uh, 
if you begin serving with us, you will find yourself meaningfully connected. You will find yourself building relationships. This is not an overstatement. Setting up chairs can change your life. I began setting up chairs through one of our sending churches. That was my first move of a next step in opting in in 2010. And now I am leading this church family in 2020. My first move was, was setting up chairs. And many of you, thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. Like, uh, I'm not awesome, but that's, that was like, that was my entry point. And there's probably, raise your hands if that's been your entry point at all of life, like set up on a Sunday morning. Okay, there's like a quarter of the room has said, this is how we have become meaningfully connected there. That's enough. Okay, there's an FAQ on our website, alloflife.church forward slash two, T-W-O. Feel free to go there. There's a contact form that will answer your questions. Um, we'll answer your questions there in more depth. If the question isn't answered, send us a message and we will get to it. Here are things, three of them, that I would like you to commit yourself to. Number one, be excited, church. And show excitement. So that, that's what, you know, it feels like, eh, what do we do here in the moment? I, I'm asking you to not go, oh. I'm asking you to say, look at what God is doing among us. We are preaching a gospel about the real Jesus derived from the scriptures. We are aiming to connect one another. We are not there. We have not arrived, but we have something very good. It is the Holy Spirit walking and living and blessing our endeavors. We want to see him glorified. We want to see the Father glorified. We want to see the Son glorified. And we want to make disciples. That is our call. Thank you. Wonderful. That feels more genuine. Talk back. So commit to telling someone what God is up to among us. Just come, like make that internal commitment right now. I'm going to start talking about this. I'm just going to start talking about it. And when a conversation is like, oh, this is going to be so much work, remember and reframe that conversation that rarely is any good endeavor, rarely does any good thing, good endeavor come without hard work. You know that when you fall into bed at night, having spent yourself on something worthwhile, providing for your family or doing something worthwhile, that feels far more than a day in your sweats on the couch with Netflix. It feels far better, does it not? More fulfilling and satisfying, right? Calluses come from hard work. So we are not a people who are afraid of hard work. Second, be here. Here are ways that you can um, commit yourself and help to strengthen your church. Be here. If you've been gathering with us on a semi-regular basis, I would love to have you join us more gather, more regularly during this transition, as well as just uh, for the first season. We'll be talking about this more in the coming months. Like It might look like February, March, and April for you to resolve yourself to, to, to gather in one gathering and to serve one. That's not always going to have to be the case, but we will probably have to lean in as a church, so I want you to begin to just consider so this is actually my third point. Consider, and it leads into what I just said, or out of what I just said, consider how you can serve. Consider how you may be able to adjust your schedule in order to be present and able to serve. We truly need all hands on deck. And many of you are new to All of Life Church, and you, have, you are recovering from past church experiences and hurts, and we make space for you, and we hold that space for you to do that. And so if that's where you are right now, we're not going to.
going to twist your arm. We are not going to manipulate you. We are going to hold the space for you to continue on your path of recovery, seeing the good news as it truly is, truly good news. And there are some of you who have been on that path of recovery and you have a sense in your guts, you may not have put words to it yet, but now is the time for you to opt back in. So we're saying to you, please join us. Please help. Please opt in. Now is your time if you're ready to re-engage. We've got all kinds of things to celebrate as God is, in the ways that God has met us and established the work of our hands this year. And I want you to hear this clearly, and this is where we'll close. I'm not satisfied. And I don't think you should be either. There are 161,505 people in Kootenai County alone. There are 2,240,000, trying to remember it, 645 people in the inland northwest. Roughly half of those in Kootenai County, and we are like red state Republican, like guns and God kind of, you know, like I don't agree with that, but that's the culture that we live in. I like guns, and I like God. I just, I won't go there. Erase all that. Edit that out, Trevor. Um, we're kind of like the we're kind of like the Bible Belt of the Northwest. Put it that way. There's a lot of evangelical churches. There's a lot of church people. It's not uncommon to see somebody reading their Bible in a coffee shop. You go to Seattle or Portland. Far different scenario. <clears throat> About 50% of the people in Kootenai County identify as religious in some capacity. That includes cults. That includes Mormons. That includes Jehovah's Witnesses. That includes many of people who are out who 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 have. Uh, who have distorted the gospel of the real Jesus. <clears throat> so generously, 50%. That leaves about 80,000 people in Kootenai County alone. I'm not even talking about those of you who are from Washington. Kootenai County alone who don't identify in any meaningful way with the real Jesus. In the inland Northwest, that number is well over a million people. Our work is not done. Now, I am incredibly grateful for seven people being baptized this last year, and I do not minimize that. I celebrate that. It's not enough. It's not enough, church. There are people who have not yielded their lives to the real Jesus to experience the fullness and the flourishing of life that he has to offer, and we exist as his people to play our part in saturating the inland northwest and the nations with the good news of Jesus. As Habakkuk, this minor prophet, said, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, and Jesus has given us, his people, a mission, and he is on it with us. That's why it's called the co-mission. It's a co-mission. All authority, he proclaims, has been on, in heaven and on earth has been given to him. So as we go, as we live, as we organize, as we think, we are to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and into the name of the Son and into the name of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all his way of life, spiritual formation, all that he has commanded us to and he's given us a promise. He's with us in this good endeavor. Amen.
We exist to play our part in saturating the endless Northwest and the nations with the good news of Jesus. So be excited, be here, and consider how you might serve. Father, we love you, and we thank you for your goodness to us. Empower the strength of our hands. Help us to uh, equip one another and to be intentional and intense about how we organize for the equipping of God's people as we continue to try to make space and get under this growth that you're giving us. People matter. We're not all about numbers. We are about people because we're about your glory. In Jesus' name, keep us. Amen.